Here we go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here. This is the Voice of Christian Israel on Eurofolk Radio. Today is May 19, 2019. I am, of course, sitting in my office in Chicago, and my co-host, uh, Pastor Martins, is sitting in his office in South Africa. And uh, we got a really good connection. Uh, everything is right with the world, Pastor Martins, when you and I have a good connection all the way across the world. How are you doing today? Good evening, Pastor Eli. Yes, um, I hear there's a bit of an echo on my on my uh, speech. Okay. But uh, I will attend to that in while I'm greeting. Yes, good evening to everybody across the globe. And even though we have a globe apart... On um, right. opposite sides of the of the equator, right? Uh, you in the northern hemisphere, myself in the southern hemisphere, we have a connection and a conversation like we're sitting right beside each other. Yeah, uh, going excellent at the moment. We are uh, busy gearing up for a rather cold few days ahead of us. Uh, our first real. Um, Outlook of winter 2019 is on its way, and uh, we're looking forward to it, Pastor, okay. uh, especially with, with the possibility of snow. Right? Really? Snow? Okay. Yeah, yeah because, uh, well, we're, we're just moving from spring into summer here, and it's been cold and rainy. The entire spring has been one of the coldest and rainiest on record. So uh, it's been a very unusual, it's obviously global warming <laughs> has come to North America, it's so cold. So anyway, uh, we're going to uh, do a, an article by Tony Norton, The Boer War, How the Jews Seized South Africa. Okay, and this was published in the CDL Report, Issue uh, 275, November 2004, and the Boer War, How the Jews See South Africa. I'm not sure if the CDL report is being published anymore. Uh, I, I don't think it is, but uh, I used to receive that for many, many years uh, from the 1980s to, I think, 2010. Even that late, I subscribed to that uh, newspaper, which was uh, a Christian identity newspaper. Okay, but uh, it's very difficult to keep such a magazine going. You know, the printing costs and mailing costs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The internet m makes it so much easier to publish a newsletter, and you reach so many more people for free. 
So uh, this has driven a lot of these uh, newsletters out of publication. So, uh, but nevertheless, this was an outstanding source of good information about South Africa. Rarely in American media was there any uh, better source than the CDL report. Okay. So uh, it says here, at the turn of the 19th century, there occurred a war so devastating in its consequences that the world is still feeling its effect. Perhaps the most important result of the war is that the Jews gained control of the richest gold deposits known to mankind, along with a diversity of minerals seldom found in one country, all of which are the, of the greatest importance to the West today. Now, uh, I don't want to underestimate the mineral wealth of South Africa. When I was there uh, visiting you and other uh, Christian identity people in South Africa, uh, you took me to various places uh, and showed me the, you know, the uranium mines and uh, oh, uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of mineral uh, mines going on. Uh, can maybe you can talk to the people about that, uh, the mineral wealth of South Africa? Pastor, uh, yes, South Africa is most probably one of the most. Uh, the, the wealthiest, or would okay, be. Pastor, your 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 sound just dropped by half. Did you uh, move from your microphone? I think I cancelled the uh, echo effect, and then I oh. might have cancelled. Yeah, it uh, cancelled your volume. Uh, let me just. Uh, yeah. I could. Uh, I can still hear you, but uh, you're very muted. So. Uh, uh, just if you can be with me for a moment, Pastor. Yeah. If you can live with the yeah. echo, there. If you can live with the echo, yes. Okay. Is that better? Yeah, you're better. Okay, I will bring. You, okay, I'll bring it down in the volume. Maybe the echo is caused by um, a higher volume at this end. Okay, so please continue. Okay. Pastor, uh, yes, South Africa is most probably the um, country in the world. The the it would have been the richest country in the world had the wealth been in the position of the Boer. Uh, the Boers of the Boer Republics. Mm-hmm. But uh, as we've spoken so many times before, the enticing of the uh, Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Uh, now, I think it was a uh, not just a matter of the greed with which they uh, had born with the idea that the Boers were in control of their own republics. You must remember that at the time, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners were subjects they had been subjects of the Dutch, uh, the Dutch East Indian Company. They had been basically, uh, they found themselves in a position where the inhabitants of the Cape Colony, which was a colony of the, the Netherlands at the time, controlled by the Dutch East Indian Company, that they were actually sold along with all the assets, which was of the Dutch colony in the Cape. So I think they looked at this, um, at the Boer Republics whom were self-governed, etc., with a form of greed because they, mm-hmm. in, in 1814, they had become uh, objects of trade because they were sold along with all the Dutch um, infrastructure that had been set up in the uh, Cape Colony. Uh, they had been sold along with the goods to the British. 
And of course, mm-hmm. the British lying claim to their colony or their newly acquired colony, which was in 1814. And so the, the, the Cape Dutch looked at the Boer republics who were self-governing, not just with greed in terms of the fact that they were self-governing, but also the fact that they did not. Well, I I think we spoke about it uh, on the previous show, that even during Jan van Rivier's days, there was a lot of enmity, or enmity, the uh, Jan van Rivier and his cohorts from the Dutch East Indian Company executing some of the white slaves as the some of the burghers, the free burghers who had come, who had fled Europe and uh, had mm-hmm. come to the Cape, were treated as white slaves and were, and many of them were crucified even upside down. Wow. According to the writings of a Canadian who visited South Africa or visited the Cape uh, sometime during the previous centuries, he wrote it. Um, unevocably uh, that uh, um, Jan van Riewijk was w- w- and, and the um, uh, uh, employer, uh, employees of the Dutch East Indian Company treated these free burghers, they were seen as white slaves. Okay. And, and if they fell out of taste or out of favor, con- con- yeah. favor was Jan van Riewijk and his Dutch East Indian cohorts, uh, they would be crucified upside down oh, wow. or they would be stitched over a wheel and killed in that way with uh, their bodies left to the vultures and the mm-hmm. birds of the heavens come and prey on them. Now, uh, I, I've read about it earlier, a few years ago, about three years ago, I read about it. I cannot remember where I had read about it, but this is now a confirmation of that which I had read before and in so much more details. Now, this particular Canadian who wrote this book was not a friend of the Boers at all. In fact, he looked upon the Cape Dutch Afrikaners as the uh, co-participants uh, in the British Empire. And mm-hmm. he had a lot of sympathies with the a uh, way in which the um, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners had been dealing with the Boers. Uh, so he was not a friend of the Boers, but he wrote this in the opening chapter of the book, or the foreword, so to speak, of this book. And I found it quite amazing that he would go into this amount of detail as to the way in which Jan van Riebeek and the, uh, Dutch, uh, the, the Dutch East Indian Company, the VOC, had treated these um, these free burgers that had come to the Cape. Yeah, and one can only deduce the fact. Now he does not. Um, uh, up to where I have read the book, uh, he does not clearly indicate this uh, as a fact. But uh, having read other books about the facts and also making uh, research in, in into other areas. Uh, outside of the way in which the Boers or the Freeburgers arrived in the Cape, uh, there were references to these Freeburgers that came to the Cape as Israelites or the lost sheep of the house of Jacob. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, having the Edomite background, were 
and not just antagonistic, but they were right. Uh, they they deemed themselves, or they deemed these Freeburgers as enemy to right. Right. So uh, so it's interesting. Uh, the the enmity between Esau and Jacob was transported to Southern Africa <laughs> by the Dutch East India Company. Back to you. And it's being perpetrated to this day, Pastor. Yes. There's no other explanation in which the way that the Cape Dutch have enticed the whole of the British Empire into what can only be deemed to be world wars against the Boer people in a matter of under 20 years, because that was in 1880, the end of 1880, the 16th of December. However, the, the, uh, the, they, they were so adamant to sub Educate the uh, subjugate the Boers to the Cape Dutch Afrikaners that they actually gave the the wealth of the Boer republics in exchange. Remember, we have spoken mm -hmm. about this uh, this this uh, 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 conspiracy between the Cape Dutch Afrikaners along with Cecil John Rhodes, mm -hmm. who had gone to, to England and that met up with Lord Rothschild of the uh, Bank of England and. Lord Rothschild then having squeezed the British government to the point of virtual bankruptcy right? in order for the British government to now take up arms. Because uh, if, if you look at the various conspiracies that were made or the, the ways in which the Cape Dutch had conspired, it was, at the, uh, w w one can say that they offered the Boer, uh, the Boer Republic's wealth to the Rothschilds in exchange to have right. the Boers subjugated to the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. And they didn't know that there was such a lot of wealth. However, it was a, a massive win. Uh, if you look at the Second Anglo-Boer War, there were only two winners and two losers. The two losers were the British and the Boers. Right. And the winners uh, the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners and the Edomite Jews of, of, of England. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, but well, I just, way, they, yeah, either way. Yeah, and uh, this is uh, the mineral wealth. I'm just looking it up here, mineral deposits of Southern Africa, because I, I, I couldn't remember what mineral was. You had pointed out a mine that we were dri driving along the highway. And that it was says, a chromium mine. Chromium, yes, chromium. That's right. Yeah, and, and not it, far from there, uh -huh. not far from there was, was the um, Bala Platinum Mines. If you can recall, uh -huh. I still mentioned to you that uh, um, one of my late relatives, um, his brother was a, uh, a, that was a Marion relative. His brother was one of the co-founders of that that uh, specific a reduction, chromium reduction plant that we drove past on our way to uh, yeah. visit uh, General Von Maritz's son. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it describes here the discovery of copper over 300 years ago in Namaqua land was followed yes. by even more dramatic finds. Diamonds in the Kimberley area, gold and uranium yes. in the Witwatersrand, uh, platinum, chromite, vanadium, iron, nickel, and copper within certain horizons of the unique Bushveld complex. 
iron yes. manganese and asbestos within Transvaal, and uh, last, the large coal deposits within the Karoo sequence. So we, we can yeah. see uh, South Africa is one of the richest uh, areas for minerals in the world. Quite unique in well, the, the abundance the, the, and frequency and variety. And the widest diversity, possible. Yes, uh, exactly. If you, um, and you mentioned about the uh, copper mines and also the uro uranium. The copper is a byproduct of the mining of uh, 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 iron okay. in the, order, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, region of Palabora where they busy mining a whole mountain which virtually exists of uh, uh, iron right. ore mm -hmm. with a mix of copper. So the copper is the byproduct. In the gold mines of Johannesburg, the Witwatersrand, and also in the Free State, uranium is the byproduct. They're mining the gold and they're extracting the uranium as a byproduct, which is money in the pocket basically oh, for yeah. jam. Right. And it's all under the... Uranium. Under the, <laughs> yes, right. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Okay, uh, so he says, the purpose of this article is to summarize the causes of the war, who was behind it, and what their motives were. And, and you just described very succinctly that uh, it's been an ongoing struggle between the Cape Dutch uh, Edomite Afrikaners and a mm -hmm. Dutch Boer slash Jacob uh, German Jacob Israelites of the Boers. You know, two distinct... Yeah. Two distinct groups of people coming down to us from biblical times. The Anglo-Boer War is not a well-known event in annals of history. Indeed, it is safe to say that it is a war which was swept under the carpet. Yeah, because uh, the, there were so many Jews and Freemasons involved that you would have to talk about those two groups uh, or not have anything to say. I doubt whether it is a subject... Go ahead. Um, well, it would basically expose... The reason why the first and the second Anglo, oh, sorry, the first and the second world wars occurred, right? Because the the expansionism of the uh, uh, British Empire was being held at stake, mm -hmm. and of course now they had the money from the um, from the um, the offerings of the Boer republics that yeah. had been uh, taken over by the uh, right. actually I should use the word hijacked. Right. In the biggest state hijacking of uh, mm -hmm. Africa, the Boer Republics yeah. were hijacked by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Absolutely, absolutely. So they they used the wealth of the Boer people, stole it from them uh, by absolutely. force, by force, and then used it to prosecute the war against Germany and against yeah. Turkey in order to establish the Zionist state. Yes. See, this now, is all, all orchestrated. Must, yeah, go ahead. Something else that must be stated, Bost, is that um, it was it, just the Cape Dutch Afrikaners were in excess of 50,000 men who were capable of um, going to war. And the total number of Boers, now remember the Boers were farmers, they were not soldiers. The total number of men in, in, in the Cape that could have or that would have and have actually gotten into the war were in excess of 50,000. The Boers were maximum 47,000, but because of the, um, the, the uh, 
agreements or the the infiltration of the Boer uh, the Boer um, leaders, the Boer generals groups, and the the Boer republics um, Volksraad. Mm-hmm. The Cape Dutch Afrikaners, and in particular Onse Jan Hofmeyer, he infiltrated and he um, he mastered uh, access to the Boer Republic's presidents, okay. and he he healed them over. He managed to get them over into joining the Afrikaner Bond. Now, the Afrikaner Bond was an organisation that had at its uh, a penultimate purpose and goal, the total annihilation of the Boers. That was right. it. Okay. But he managed to get Boers to join this Afrikaner bond. Yeah, so it's and like getting Christians to join the Judeo-Christian churches, right? Exactly. And support now, Israel, yeah. Now, uh, this Afrikaner bond was also used as a vehicle whereby which the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, or in those days they were spoken about as the Cape Dutch only, it was only in the 18, late 1860s that they started talking about themselves as a, uh, Cape, well, as Afrikaners. It was as if they wanted to put this uh, tag of uh, Cape Dutch behind them. However, it is a historical fact that they were called the Cape Dutch. And because of the way in which they dealt with people across the globe who traveled past the Cape, and how they manipulated and uh, the, the, the atrocities that they committed, they had a very negative taste with everybody across the globe. And they wanted to get away from this, and this was one of the reasons why they so desperately wanted the Boer republics or the Boers themselves subjugated to the Cape Dutch Afrikaners so that they can hijack the Boers' history. And this is happening mm-hmm. even to this day. Yes, it is. And yes. And the Cape Dutch Afrikaners have now uh, attempted, in, in after the unification of the four provinces of the Boer Republic or the, the of the Union of South Africa. Now, something that must also be said is that these Cape Dutch Afrikaners, in the line of Babylonian business, Babylonian principle, they wanted to unite all people under one. Uh, yeah, economic system. system. Yeah, the Babylonian <laughs> economy. Yes, religion, etc. And that that whole action is still happening. But it it was an action that was already started way back in the, in the eighteen hundreds in 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 uh, the Cape. Mm-hmm. Even before that was one of the reasons that was was the cause of the Boers going out on the great trek. Now, if you go to the UNPO, uh, the Unrepresented Peoples Organization. Uh, site, website, you will find that the Afrikaners have their own registration and they, they have their own uh, site on okay. the UNPO pages. And on the UNPO pages, I know that they fairly recently changed their whole thing because I've given them a lot of headaches about their lies and deception mm-hmm. and the way in which they are deceiving the world, where, where in which they say that the Afrikaners got annoyed with the British and Afghanistan started the great threat. Now, that is a biggest, one yeah. of the biggest lines that they have. Right, it was the Boers, not Afrikaners, right. And the Afrikaners actually assisted the British against the Boer people. So this, is how, they, this is how they rewrite history. Back to you. But, but the whole thing is, at the time of the great threat, the commencement of the great threat, the great threat 
commenced out of the Eastern Cape, and that was not where the Cape Dutch Afrikaners were. Mm-hmm. The Eastern Cape was where the Boers, who had become annoyed with these Cape Dutch Afrikaners, right. Edomites, who were marginalizing, were stealing their grounds, stealing their lands. And the reason why they tracked out to the Eastern Cape was because the Cape Dutch Afrikaners had enticed the British to go and arm the 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 uh, Khazars, the, the black people that right. that were bu- busy moving down the eastern coast. So they the British armed the Khazars at the enticement of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, okay. and the Boers found themselves in a situation where they were being attacked with the very same right. arms that the British. Uh, had given the the okay. uh, the blacks, yes. Uh, so so boldly to protect them against the Boers. But okay, but, I got I got a question for you here because obviously this whole process was begun by the uh, you know the Dutch East India Company. Okay, as correct. as headed by Jewish banksters, they, the Rothschilds were not part of the picture yet. At what point did the uh, uh, did the uh, Dutch East India Company relinquish control to the British East India Company. You know, maybe you can just give us a, a rough guess as to when that would have occurred. Uh, Pastor, that was during 1812 when the British, um, th- there was a, a, wow. a great debt that the Dutch had actually uh, had been in, indebted to the British. And in 1812, uh, they they made an agreement that the Cape Colony, in its totality, uh, totality. Um, yeah, totality. Sorry. Totality would be handed to the British okay. as a uh, the release of the um, uh, the indebtedness of the Dutch right. to the British. So that's when the so, Rothschilds took over. So that henceforth, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. Okay. I, I don't think the Rothschilds were in the know at that stage as yet. The Rothschild was brought into the picture as a. Uh, towards the even after the first Anglo-Boer War, because the, in the first Anglo-Boer War the British came in because they wanted to annex. There was uh, uh, wars between the Boers and the Swazis and the Boers and the uh, Mosulikatsi and the war, war, uh, Boers and the Zulus. Okay. And in each case, this these wars were incited by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. The Cape uh-huh. Dutch Afrikaners had instigators to the various. Wars in South mm-hmm. Africa, uh, 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 even before the British became involved, and the British came became involved in uh, so coldly to to um, uh, put a stop to the wars between the Boers and the uh, the 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 blacks, if you can yes. put it like. Okay, that. so the long and the short of it is that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, and, l- and later even the the British Afrikaners. Uh, did everything they ca- could to annihilate the Boer people and now are assuming their identity, <laughs> trying to erase the evil history of the uh, Afrikaners versus the Boers. That's uh, what's possibly, going on. Yes, th- that okay. is it. Okay. However, then this, uh, and I'm going to mention his name, Peter Mulder, uh, who was um, the leader of the Freedom Front political party of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Uh, who also became uh, one of the cabinet ministers of the ANC hmm. in Nelson Mandela's time. And he was wow. a cabinet minister for over 20 years. And one of the promises that he made to the people who uh, he, he had to, to elect 
mm-hmm. or to vote for his party was a promise that they would uh, they they would provide a so-called self-beskicking. Now that self-beskicking is in in English it is a self-governance, okay, or self-determination uh, of the the, the yeah. so-called the because we hear that promised that he, to us all the time, but and we never get it delivered. <laughs> But Boston, the, the whole thing is, and I wrote a poem about it as well. I've actually mentioned it a few times in some of my poems, that this whole thing of self-beskicking or the self-governance or the self-determination was devised. It's a tool that was devised by the Freemason F.W. de Klerk, the uh, Cape Dutch Africana state president that handed over power. And, and of course, his cahoots, his... Uh, uh, some of his ministers that, and they were all Freemasons, and they devised a mechanism whereby they could uh, sideline the right-wing political groupings in order for this uh, side, uh, the sidelining of this political group, is the so-called right or extreme rightists, while they were busy looking at the ways in which this uh, so-called um, articles in the the the, the uh, a new uh, constitution could be devised in order to get the self governance. Right. They, they were steamrolling the the mainstream into the handover to the okay. black uh, right. to the black sense. Yeah. So now, while they were the, making that promise, they were betraying that promise, and the Boers had no idea that this was going on. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, it, if if you look at the political turmoil amongst the red uh, the, the right wings, or the right wingers in those days, mm-hmm. um, they they could have taken uh, the opposition pa- position, the opposition party in the in the in the parliament. However, there were so many things that were happening at the time, and of course these right wingers were be, 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 were were being. Uh, branded as extremists and sure. Nazists. Yeah, just like today. <laughs> just like today. Yeah. But it was being done by the so-called Illuminists, or those right. that had been enlightened. Freemasons, amongst. yes. Absolutely. Uh-huh. They, they have joined the Illuminati. Right. Buta and uh, uh, F.W. de Klerk yeah. and uh, David de Villiers, and I can go on like this. They had all become... Uh, the, the, let's say they had become the, the, the top leaders in the Freemasonry that handed over the control of the country to the black Freemasons. Now, Sina mm-hmm. van Rensburg, we've spoken about him as well. Sina van Rensburg prophesied and he said that uh, at some time that the country would be governed by a Dürrenbos regering, a Thornbush government. Okay. Now, this, this Thornbush government is actually in control of us at this stage. And the blacks who, are, who may have been given, the, 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 I would say, the, the window dressing or the positions of the window dressing, the, the mm-hmm. face of the, the government, yeah. mm-hmm. they are being con- controlled or that they were being controlled by remote control out of out of the Bush uh, Thorn Bush government, right, right. So that, the the, the store the storefront window has uh, elegant gowns, but when you go inside, there's nothing but whores. 
exactly right. that past, but, mm-hmm. but but the the this Thornbush government have removed themselves so far into the background that it's virtually impossible to see their dealings. Yes. Right. However, however, if you look at the way in which this whole thing was, it was as if the whites, these self um, glorifying Cape Dutch Afrikaners that have positioned themselves over the previous 80 years since the unification of the uh, the the Union of South Africa. Okay. They had positioned themselves into such positions that they could control, and they are the money meddlers of this world. If I can, in, in, right. in, well, if I say in this world, it's it's not an overstatement because these super Afrikaners even control very large percentages of the Chinese um, cellular network. Okay. Yeah. They All right. Bought in cellular networks in Russia. They've bought into cellular networks in in uh, in Canada. They've bought into cellular networks and they control such a lot of this. They've been uh, holding right. the South African public hostage. Right. Uh, N- Naspers. Right. Spoken about Naspers. Right. South Naspers, Africa yeah. set s- subscriptions to satellite TV is of the most expensive in the world, and it's the only option. Well. There's not much to see. Well, in fact, there's nothing for watching. <laughs> it's the only option, and it's nothing worth watching. <laughs> exactly right. Now, yeah. if you if you relate it to um, the 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 cost of that in terms of the total percentage of the the middle class income of the white man in South Africa, it's it's most probably one of the most expensive commodities. Right. However, however, if people wanted to want to remain in the know in terms of the news if they want to be misled right. by what they see on TV yeah. uh, then they subscribe to it but uh, uh, yeah. and this money of course goes into the coffers of the yeah. the, 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 the Dutch the Cape Dutch Afrikaners super Afrikaners who started off with the exploitation of the Boers etc it's well, I have to say, I, I was surprised when I, when I was there and I, I saw a news broadcast with a black woman reading the news with a perfect British accent, right? It just seemed so out of place coming out of her mouth, right? That uh, I was expecting yeah. Zulu or Swahili or something, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, but yeah, so this, this charade of people mm. uh, masquerading as others. This has always been done by the Edomites. Always, throughout yes. history, been done by the Edomites, okay? So it stands mm. to reason that you know the European Edomites, the, the Khazar Jews and the Sephardic Jews, the Sephardim versus the Ashkenazim, have been engaged in this great impersonation of Israel for over 2,000 years. And so it's only natural it was transported down to South Africa, okay? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so getting back to now, the Rothschilds took total control of the British economy in 1815, right after the Battle of Waterloo. So mm-hmm. uh, Nathan Rothschild was probably not in full control of the British economy in 1812, but he was the one who ordered that the British army attack America during the War of 1812. So he had to be very, very powerful already, even before 1815. 
And so I would mm-hmm. say that Nathan Rothschild was in the process of taking over the British East India Company, who would have been very prominent in those days. Okay. So if not officially, go ahead. Um, was there any reason to believe that it was ever in the hands of the British? Oh, was never. that they operated yeah. from the British ports. That's right. That made them or gave them the name British, but they might have been in control of the Kazarians from oh, absolutely. Even the previous centuries. Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, they came in with Cromwell. I think it was yeah. Edward I that ejected the Jews for their usurious crim- criminality, and then Cromwell brought them back. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they executed Charles I, and then uh, under Charles II, they brought in the Bank of England. So, it's Jewish banksterism going way back to uh, before 1700. Okay? Yeah. All right. And so, all right. So, the article continues here. Uh, and uh, I left off with the statement the Anglo Boer War is not a well known event in the annals of history. Indeed, it is safe to say that it is a war which was swept under the carpet. I doubt whether it is a subject which is ever mentioned in the classrooms of U.S. schools and universities, and that is true. I can confirm that. There was nothing in my education from grade school on up to graduate school where uh, anything was ever mentioned about the British war, the British and Dutch wars against the Boer people. Okay. And he says, Mm. this is no accident but deliberate policy. We need to look at the character and racial makeup of the Boers, as they were called in the early part of the history of what is today South Africa. The Boers were farmers. The racial makeup of the Boer was not very different from that of the people of the southern United States or even the the northern United States. They were Israelites. These pastoral people had a the vast majority of farmers in America are of German stock. Mm. Okay. So there's very yeah. little difference between and, Boers and American farmers. Over to you. And the reason why they um, did go to to um, America was because they had to flee Europe because of the churches, the Roman Catholic Church and then right. the Church Reformation. And that put a, a throttle on the necks of anybody who would not, would not join the churches or become a subject of the churches, whether it be the, 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 the Reformed mm-hmm. churches or whether it be the Roman Catholicism. Right. So they fled Europe because of that. Now, that's very interesting because the Germans who were here, the very first Germans who arrived almost simultaneously with the British, with the English, and with the uh, you know uh, Irish. All the Irish came later. They brought Catholicism with them. The early Americans uh, hated Catholicism. Right, because uh, that's yeah. what they were fleeing from, just as the Boer people were fleeing from Catholicism. Catholicism. And the daughters of Rome, uh, I'd say the early yeah. German farmers in America were almost all Protestants, just as the British immigrants were all Protestants, mm-hmm. not Catholics. Okay. That feeling when his Whoa. skin so. What was that? <laughs> so, uh, so, and he says this is deliberate policy. Okay, so these pastoral people had a very strong sense of personal liberty as opposed to the dictates of a central government. Okay, again, the similarities between the Boer people and the early American colonists are very great. Mm. Coupled with their highly developed concept of personal freedom was their religious belief consisting in the main of Protestant Calvinism, 
formalized in yeah no, let me finish the sentence here formalized in yes. the Dutch Reformed Church please elucidate Pastor yes these um, and and I actually found more evidence of that just this very afternoon okay um, in the in the way of uh, the the uh, website for my ancestors martin's the martin's ancestry oh okay is a very a very uh, uh, informative uh, website on the internet mm -hmm. and i was reading through the uh, what um, my my ancestral uh, findings were of this and it was most interesting okay. in the way in which the dutch east indian company had actually uh, accrued the services of some of these people that were had become available fleeing Europe. Right. And how they had been uh, how they had been brought into contracts with the Dutch East Indian Company, not as uh, employees but service providers. Right. And indentured service. Indentured service. Is that what yes, you're saying? For, okay. That that was basically to get them out of Europe, and uh, so they became indebted to the Dutch East Indian Company, and even the so-called agents that managed to get hold of these Israelites had how they had ma made masses of money out of these Israelites, and mm -hmm. the account for that was to the account of the Israelites who had now come to the Cape, and how they, once they were at the Cape, how the whatever they accrued was Take a note of whether it be mm -hmm. uh, even if it be a chicken, even if it right. be the the, yeah. what, the products that they cultivated. Being farmers, mm -hmm. they were then taxed on that right. by the Dutch East India Company. Mm -hmm. So it was, so it was a matter that they had to pay for their passage. They had to, um, uh, uh, well, they had to pay for the lands, and then the Dutch uh, each. Dutch East Indian Company would take a hold of the lands which, which these mm -hmm. farmers or these Freeburgers yeah. had cultivated. In, in in other words, the the Freeburgers yeah. had to, they were continuously marginalised by the fact that the yeah. the lands that they cultivated were taken taken back by the Dutch East Indian Company in spite yeah, of the fact it, that they had purchased yeah. the land. Right, in spite of the fact they had purchased the land and had been the main food providers for the Dutch East India Company. That's this right, is how this, this is how spiteful these Edomite uh, Afrikaners were and still are. But the, the, then the thing is, and and this is what this Canadian writer actually writes about. He says that the these farmers that came in as Freeburgers, they were not granted their Freeburger status uh -huh. unless they had actually cleared, they had been cleared of all the indebtedness that, right. to the Dutch East Indian Company. Mm -hmm. So they had to work their backsides off. They were being taxed by the Dutch East Indian Company. But here's the, the other thing to it. The Dutch East Indian Company prohibited these farmers, these Freeburgers, from trading with the passing ships. They could wow. only sell their products to the Dutch East yes, Indian Company. Right. Yes. Then sold it to the passing ships. And also, they were not allowed to buy anything from the passing ships. Right. They had to indicate their the, the requirements, and the Dutch East Indian Company would buy it from passing mm -hmm. ships. 
and would then resell it at massive uh, 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 profits right. to these farmers or the well, that, this was actually a fairly common practice here, even in America. A lot of the coal miners, they worked for the company, they lived on company property, rented a company-owned house, had to buy their goods at company-owned stores. Okay, the same Pullman, mm-hmm. the Pullman, uh, you know, uh, train uh, car company operated the same way. The Pullman employees had to live on a compound where the factory was. They had to buy their food at company stores. They uh, rented company apartments. Okay, so this was actually a fairly common practice until uh, probably until the 20th century and even into the 20th century. Okay. I would say even into the 21st century. Yeah, okay, right. Just that today they're now hiding behind corporations. Right. Where they were. If, mm-hmm. if you look at it, it's not so thing, obvious today. <laughs> right. in, in South Africa, there are five large corporations controlling most probably about 95% of South Africa's foodstuffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so these names uh, are prominent names, and they, they also have their origins. In, in fact, that there had been uh, local organ- corporations that had been built up by Cape Dutch Afrikaners that had profiteered out of the fact that they had the right positions within or their right right friends within in the states or in the state or in the government positions because of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners having this Afrikaner bond. Uh, we, we have a, a product uh, from Henkel, which is an American company called Plyo Bond. Now, Plyo Bond and the Bruder Bond are very alike. Nepotism, they stick together like you cannot believe. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so, they must be owned by Jews. <laughs> owned by Jews. Yeah, there you go. All right. That's why they stick coming together, back, right? Come back to this article stating that they came as Protestant Calvinism. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's not true. We spoke about it before. These, um, these free burgers that came to the country... Uh, had they been involved with the churches in Europe, they would have been issued with marital certificates and birth certificates, which they didn't have. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they came as family groups. Often, they often came as family groups into the Cape. And with the Dutch East Indian Company uh, not accepting the fact that this family had been together and that they, uh, they, they, they rejected family groups because of the fact that they could not produce church-issued certificates of marriage. Mm-hmm. So Jan van Riebeek, even in his days, he, he sent a letter to the Dutch East Indian Company headquarters, the Dutch, the, the so-called Lord 17 in, in Holland, asking um, the, the VOC to send uh, right. People who could marry, that could marry these uh, uh, free burgers that had arrived because mm-hmm. they were they were seeing them as living in sin and they were seeing the, their children in the Judeo-Christian as, form, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So, and uh, and, uh, and, yeah, because well, this is a crucial point because it's not true that the Boers were uh, Calvinists. They, they became were not Calvinists because. They they were forced into the forced to, or right. into they the were forced into it. Churches. Right. 
They were forced into it. They didn't arrive there with that mentality. They were, they were trying to escape. Exactly. They were trying to escape the actually the wars between the re- reformers and the Catholics. That's they were trying to escape all that. So it would be false to put in, them. Yeah. And yes. they ran into the same problem in the cake. Exactly, because that problem followed them just as the problem has followed us Americans here to yeah. America, okay? Because wherever we go, the Edomites follow <laughs> to steal our wealth mm-hmm. and to destroy our nations and to Absolutely. destroy us as well, okay? I'll say, okay, now this following sentence is fairly true here. They believed in the leadership of the white race, speaking mm-hmm. of the Boers, and treated all of the colored races in South Africa with benign paternalism. Okay. Which is not true. Okay, uh, please let, explain. Let me explain. Okay. One perfect example of this is Petra Tief, who was a, one of the Boer leaders of uh, one of the tracks, the tracking groups. Mm-hmm. And that was also the group that had gone to Blood River, that resulted okay. in the Blood River. Right. Now, Petra Tief had gone to Dungan's um, uh, tribal uh, village. Mm-hmm. To negotiate, to negotiate. In other words, had this been true that he was a um, that that it was a benign paternalism, mm-hmm. he would have actually used his firearms and he would have gone and killed off all the blacks. But he didn't. Mm-hmm. He went and he went to uh, okay. negotiate. All right. Yeah. Him. Okay. I get your point. Uh, p- paternalism would imply taking tribute from black tribes. Uh, but this was not the case. The Boers didn't even do that. They allowed the blacks to have their own countries. Exactly. So uh, that, were, that can't be paternalism. That's independent status. Back to you. And they negotiated wherever they went, where there were uh, blacks, they negotiated for land. And I've got proof of that um, as well. Uh, the And even the, the older Zulu tribal leaders still living today, mm-hmm. are fully in agreement with that. In fact, I was invited at some stage, uh, not so many years ago, about three years ago, I was invited to actually visit the farmer who was in the regular contact with these tribal leaders of the um, Zulus. Okay. And to who invited me to come and meet up with these old, traditional leaders or tribal leaders of the Zulus okay. so that we can so that we can actually communicate about where the borders or the the lines were that were were the original decisions in terms of the exchanging of land for certain favors that the the, the Boers had given right uh, the, the treaties so the treaties the, made with the Zulus the, yes exactly the, yeah yeah, but now, uh, on the other hand, it was the British who treated the uh, blacks with benign paternalism, <laughs> right? And, uh, and and also the white boar farmers with benign, well, actually it wasn't benign, it was uh, austere and uh, even criminal paternalism against the boar people. The, the British treated the blacks but much better than they treated the boars, yeah, correct? The- one must also look at the, the – the, there were a number of, of treaties that uh, had uh, been drafted or that had been uh, made between the Boers and the British. 
of course, the Sand River Convention that was negotiated um, and, and arranged and negotiated for and on behalf of the Boers by my late mom's grandfather, Andres Pretorius. Okay. And then on the other hand, also the Bloemfontein Convention, which followed two years after that, that was in 1852, and then the um, Bloemfontein Convention in 1854, and then not long after that, there was a Pretoria Convention. That Pretoria Convention was specifically in terms of uh, the the um, so-called uh, 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 the complaints of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners about how the Boers were killing off the blacks, hmm. and and, the, and one of the reasons why that particular convention is not so well known about was because that the British were f found that it was not true. Right. The, the Boers were not killing off the blacks, but in any case, a, treat, a treaty was made. Okay. But uh, um, it, it was in terms of the, the Swazis that were attacking the Boers. Now, now this is always, has always been the, the case. The, the blacks attacked the Boers because the Boers were always on the front line. Right. The blacks attack the Boers. The Boers protect themselves. Pioneers. The Cape Dutch yes. Afrikaners now using that as an excuse, stating that the Boers are busy and yeah. violating the black tribes around them. Right. Right. So well, the same thing happened in America. Our pioneers were, you know, constantly attacked by by Indians. Okay. But of course, the Indians saw the the, the whites uh, intruding on their territory. Okay. Yeah. Uh, never mind any treaties made between the U.S. government and the Indians. You know, they're still they're still complaining about those treaties. But uh, nevertheless, uh, the father said that uh, we are to take dominion, and uh, th those Indians did not consider that land to belong to them. They, they, con they, they considered themselves to belong to the land, okay? So yeah. uh, th their their perspective was totally different. I don't know about the, exactly uh, the blacks. Okay, same. Go ahead. Exactly the same. The, 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 the tribal leaders own the land on which they have their dwellings. That okay. is it. That's it. Okay. Um, and and uh, if we go on, on this particular article... Um, just after that, the benign uh, paternalism, it states they, they held to the teachings of the Old Testament, namely that the stewardships of the earth belonged to the white race. Colored races were to, uh, to be treated as stepchildren. Now, um, uh, even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, in mm -hmm. his definition of the Boer, he refers to the fact that the Boers believed in the Old Testament religion. Yes. He actually calls it a diafatalistic mm -hmm. Old Testament, uh, Old Testament <laughs> religion. Right. Now, Which is true religion. Can, it's true religion. It's true, true biblical religion. religion. Yes. But, but, but can you see why I state that these Boers did not arrive, or the Freeburgers mm -hmm. did not arrive as Calvinist Protestants? Because That's then right. they would have rejected the Old Testament and they would have clung to the New Testament. Yes, but, but the and they would have accepted usury totally because Calvin accepted usury. <laughs> the Boers did not. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, you get all these different perspectives uh, of uh, these different authors about the, who the Boer people are and were, and uh, you know, and so even these guys who mean well in making statements like this, uh, you know, are not quite accurate. 
And in fact, you know, it is uh, quite false to refer to the Boer people as being paternalistic toward blacks. They weren't. Well, but, but there's especially mm-hmm. in terms of the Calvinist portion of it, because mm-hmm. in the one in the one sentence they say that they Calvinist, the next sentence they say they would die, die a Calvin, uh, they would die a right. Old Testament religion. Right again, uh, uh, showing that the author uh, doesn't really know the difference. He exactly. Yeah, he doesn't really know the difference. Okay. All right, so with only a couple of minutes left, actually less than two minutes, I'll just finish this paragraph. They did not believe in nor did they practice slavery at any time in their history. This is where the Boers differed from their cousins, the American colonists. But uh, you stated that uh, some Boer families held blacks as servants uh, because those blacks wanted to be with the white family, they did not yes. own them in the sense that the uh, southern uh, slaveholders owned their their blacks. Okay, there were some correct? Boers who did mm-hmm. hold slaves past. Okay, all right. So again, so uh, this is why uh, we're reading this with your perspective to see where you know many of these critics and uh, historians are wrong about the history of the Boer yeah. people. And so we, we found some yeah. major false statements here in this article, although it's really obvious the author is pro-Boer. You know, he just yeah. doesn't know the real history, and it's important to know the real history, okay? All Pastor, right. Pastor, I have the, my objective is honesty and um, the mm-hmm. truth in all aspects, even if, it is, even if it goes against what I would like to Right. Read. Well, that's what the Bible is. How many horrible statements are made about us Israelites, right? And our exactly. deviance from Yahweh's laws. All right. Uh, great program. Uh, this was very uh, interesting. We'll continue this next week. So, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Thanks, Pass man. the ammunition. See you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you, Boston. Thank Praise you. Yahweh. Praise Yahweh.